Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast that's just been put on trial for witchcraft. I'm Emily. I'm Sarah. We probably should have seen this coming. In hindsight, the Pope's episode was probably ill-advised. Emily, I think all our episodes are ill-advised. start researching an episode and you're too deep in it to back out but you're like Like, well i'm not gonna think of a second thing but this was a mistake (laughs) what the fuck have i done (laughs) frequently okay so we're we're talking about this so as we've as we've said this is the prequel to our salem revisited episode which we will do after we go to salem sometime in the future fall 2023 I'm sorry I fucked up 2022. You just had to get married. We can do an episode about Lizzo. I was going to say, there's also nothing stopping us from just doing an episode about Salem. But like, I want to go there. There there was a plan. Yes. Uh, um, Maybe I will do a mini on like wedding traditions and why the fuck we do them. And spoiler alert, it's because women were property. But I mean, yes, correct. Um, so this is like English witch trials and shit, or like stuff that the the witch was based on. Yeah, so this is kind of figured like witch trial international a little bit. So it's basically like the history of witch trials leading up to Salem. Yeah, because Salem wasn't the first one, obviously. Like, no, not I mean, even close. Look at Joan of Arc. <laughs> yes, who we will. There's I a guess- whole. Whole storied history, which we will cover in this episode. Uh, so my sources quickly before I forget, um, I got a lot from history.com on this. They have three articles called Beyond Salem, Six Lesser Known Witch Trials, Before Salem, The First American Witch Hunt, and Seven Bizarre Witch Trial Tests. Uh, so go check those out if you want basically the same information. I, think I'm I watched about to give a you. Netflix documentary about uh, British witch hunts a while ago. I don't know if it's still there, but it was like an Irish lady talking about it. That sounds delightful. I've been like, that's been my mood lately is just like documentaries about shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking for ones about prehistoric humans, which I probably will still be when this airs. So if you have suggestions. Uh, I also got some stuff from ThoughtCo, Live Science, and Wikipedia. You use so, Wikipedia all the time. Unbelievable. Wikipedia is like my fill in source. It's like when I like when the narrative and the actual source I have is not quite complete. I usually go to Wikipedia and like get the details. So here's a pro tip, girls and boys and uh, non-binary individuals. When you're researching a big subject, just read the Wikipedia article first and then you can pick out interesting shit and like hone in on it. Yes. Like that's genuine advice. (laughs) From two amateur researchers. (laughs) I would say we're no research resources whatsoever. We're freelance researchers, because this is what, like our hundred and something episode? Or? My number says 128. I don't know. 128 plus minis. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Clearly, we are experts. Oh, yes. I know a little bit about 128 different things. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> Witchcraft, just as a concept, uh, in the belief that it is a thing that exists, is one of those things that pops up in just about every society that's ever existed, like, on the face of the planet since the beginning of time. God damn it, I have to do this episode without you having seen Doctor Strange. Yep, sorry. (laughs) Come back to me in, like, four months. (laughs) Well, R.I.P. me. (laughs) 
So we as humans, we like to assign agency to things and we particularly like to assign agency to things that are very good or like really terribly bad. Like we don't feel comfortable with the idea that like sometimes these things that happen to us are random and outside of our control. That's a very uncomfortable feeling, I think, for a lot of people. And generally like That's literally why religion exists. Yeah. So like a belief in witchcraft was a way that a lot of societies explained away like bad luck and misfortune and like manifested it into a physical being that you could put the blame on. We love blaming things. It's a big human trait, I guess. <laughs> if you you might this might not have come up, but like witchcraft used to be like just the practicing of like rituals and stuff didn't used to be a big deal like in um the really 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 old religions like in the the UK and um even like the Greeks, right? There's a Greek goddess of witchcraft. Yeah. But I, I assume so. It didn't come up in my research, but you sound very confident about it. Yes. Uh, I think I was on an episode of um, Bracket Royale like forever ago where oh, she came up. I remember that one. Bracket Royale was great. It was great. Chris, if you're listening, I want it back. <laughs> so good. Um, and we want a guest on it. Anyways, so Catholicism or Christianity is really what seems to have like declared witchcraft. Made it a bad thing. Yeah. Or like those... Sort of the monotheistic religions, if you will, because I don't think I don't think Islam. It's like, definitely like gotten to the point where it is today. I'll get into it a little bit, okay. but like there is like also a history like before the Catholic Church was really involved in witch trials of like witch. Well, I'll get into it. So okay, basically, my whole point of the last thing was like you you can't punch bad luck in the face, but there's usually at least a couple of things you can do to stop a witch. You can't punch bad luck in the face, but you can burn a lady. Yep. Uh, So English historian Ronald Hutton, he outlined five characteristics that most cultures ascribe to witchcraft. So first, it was the use of magic to harm others. It was used by a witch against their own community. It was often seen as immoral and unusually involved communion with some sort of evil being. In Christianity, you know, the devil, but in other non-Christian cultures, you know, other evil beings. Um, It was acquired through inheritance or initiation, and it was something that could be thwarted. Uh, So sometimes this was done through simple protective magic charms, like charms, talismans, witch bottles, like others believed, like you could stop a witch by banishing or punishing them. Um, Some said believed you did have to kill them. Um, In many societies, there was even some sort of formal or legal process in place to do so. Wait, did you say that people use spells to banish witches? Yes, but like good spells. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I did not do deep read into, was it Richard Ronald Hutton's? Ronald Hutton's. But it sounds like he's got some interesting interesting thoughts. Uh, <laughs> thoughts. Uh, so weirdly enough, the Catholic Church wasn't really big into this until like the Middle Ages. So like a lot of the church's early history, like mainstream Christian Christian doctrine didn't believe in witches. Like it was more so against witchcraft in the concept of if you believed in witchcraft, it was like superstition and pagan superstition was bad Okay, versus the witchcraft being bad. So there's a lot of folk belief, but like the church wasn't ever really involved in it in an official capacity for a long time. They didn't think you were like doing communion with the devil. Like they just, oh, look at the, the little pagans doing their... Yeah, no, it's like, witches aren't real, and if you believe in witches, you're a, you know, a terrible pagan. Okay. I mean, you're a good pagan, terrible Christian. Yes. (laughs) So, around the 13th century is when we kind of start to see this shift. Um, So, some Christian theologians, mostly, most notably, our good friend, uh, Thomas Aquinas. Mm. Oh, thank God, I thought you were going to say Pliny the Elder. 
No. Uh, he starts to float this idea that ordinary people can and do conspire or collaborate with the devil in order to gain supernatural power. This is his fault? Uh, not like directly his fault. He's just kind of one of the people who was writing about it in this time. It was kind of like a big confluence of like a lot of different Christian thought kind of like coalescing around this one idea. Um, specifically, it was coalescing around this one idea right in the middle of the Inquisition. Oh, okay. So <laughs> we're going to give a note version of, of the Inquisition because it's, it's an episode to itself. Probably will be. It's on. Yeah, someday. But like, if you don't know what it is, I at least want to get some context. Someday when you least expect it. <laughs> yes. So the Inquisition was a group of institutions within the Catholic Church that was set on combating heresy, i.e. any religious beliefs that are slightly outside of what the Catholic Church be- deems to be right and true. Uh, so this began in 12th century France and was targeted at religious movements like the Cathars and the Waldensians. Uh, it eventually spread across Europe to places like Portugal and Spain, famously. <laughs> yes, famously Spain. <laughs> <laughs> where they mostly just kind of used it as an excuse to bully formerly Jewish and Muslim populations on the suspicion Weird. that they were still practicing their pre- their prior religion in secret. And that's never happened since. Nope. Suspected heretics were put on trial. Uh, for most, a conviction usually meant they were sentenced to various penances, like you got to wear a cross sewn into your clothes or you got to go on this pilgrimage. Uh, but anyone who was deemed an unrepentant heretic could have their trial handed over to secular authorities, which would usually the sentence into the would sentence the individual based on local laws and which, regardless of being quote unquote secular. I was just going to say usually included religious crimes like heresy, and the punishments for such were usually banishment, imprisonment, or death by burning. I was going to say that uh, secular um, authorities can't prosecute religious crimes because, um, well, you know. Yeah, that wasn't (laughs) a thing for about probably like another 400, 500 years. Uh Arguably longer than that. And then it just kind of apparently died out again. Yeah, we have no issue with the separation between religion and state today. Not a one. I haven't been mad for several weeks. (laughs) Uh, So it is during the Inquisition that we start to see the church, like, take a real interest in witchcraft as a crime that, like, heresy that can be prosecuted. And a lot of this stems back from... um, the first recorded witch trials, which took place, which were in Valais, France, um, in partly modern-day Switzerland, uh, between 1428 to 1447. So in August of 1428, local authorities demanded investigations into any accused witches or sorcerers. <sighs> we have very little contemporary documentation of these trials. The only records are from a local clerk of the court um, named Johannes Frund. It's a great name. <laughs> I know, I love it. Early on in the trials, a rule was established that any person accused of witchcraft by three or more neighbors, even if you were nobility, would be arrested. And once arrested, that was pretty much it for you. So those that confessed were burned at the stake. And those that didn't confess were tortured until they did, uh, at which point they would be burned at the stake. Yes. (laughs) So-called witches were charged with murder, heresy, and being in pact with the devil. Many eventually confessed to ruining crops, preventing livestock from giving milk, and causing various ailments such as blindness, madness, miscarriage, infertility, and some even confessed to killing and eating their own children. It's amazing what people will confess to when you just lightly torture them. Yeah, it's right. Can't believe it. Uh, so witches in Valais were believed to fly on, ride on flying chairs and participate in witches' Sabbath, which is when they would gather in people's cellars to drink wine, listen to anti-Christian sermons, and mockingly confess to any good deeds which they may have done, which sounds like my idea of a party. <laughs> I think I've met up with friends at happy hour and did 
pretty much that. Sounds pretty fun. (laughs) So the trials continued until 1447 and eventually spread into nearby German-speaking region of Wallace. So during this time, at least 367 victims, both men and women, were burned at the stake as witches, though some reports do put the number closer to 700. Again, like, (sighs) this is the era when we were bad at writing things down, and if we did write them down, they didn't necessarily survive. So... TBD. During this time period, the Council of Basel was taking place, which is just kind of a big, huge conference of like Christian thinkers, uh, in which craft quickly became a hot topic among the theologians, theologians in attendance. Ah, so very good. That's kind of how it starts to become Christian orthodoxy or whatever heterodox. I can't mm-hmm. think of the word. I read it a lot when I was doing my research. <laughs> In 1481, then, uh, two German monks named Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer wrote to Pope Innocent VIII describing cases of witchcraft they'd encountered uh, and complaining about the lack of support that they had received from church authorities. In response, Innocent issued papal bull in 1484 called Sumus Desiderantus Effectibus that gave the two inquisitors the full authority to prosecute witches and threatened anyone who would be an obstacle to their work with excommunication. So, (laughs) the bull was the first official word from the church elevating witchcraft to the level of heresy and putting the church's weight behind future witch hunts. This just doesn't seem good. No, it's it's about to get worse. Uh, And you'll see why in a bit. Uh, So, just three years after the bull was issued, one of the two German monks, uh, it's Kramer, it's believed, published a handbook for inquisitors that laid out how to identify a witch, how to charge them with witchcraft, and once they were convicted, how to best carry out their execution. And it was called the Malleus Maleficarum, yep. or the Hammer of the Witches, or Witch Hunts for Dummies. One of the more popular episodes of Supernatural from the early years. Uh, not really yeah. my cup of tea. <laughs> which, which episode is that? Refresh my memory, because that's also where I first heard this Give me a term. second. Season one or two. So, boop, the lie. It's season three. Yes. Okay. Season three, episode nine. Oh, it aired on my uh, 17th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Teenage Emily. Yeah, a group of like suburban witches gets out of hand and they kill a lady. Yeah, I vaguely remember this one. I don't think that was maybe a standout episode, but it's got an 8.4 on IMDb. I mean, it's early, it's early series Supernatural, so I'm sure it was pretty good, but yeah, I mean, it was a uh, Katie Cassidy Ruby and not the other Ruby, so you know. oh, yeah, that's always a plus. I mean, the other Ruby was fine. I just like Katie Cassidy more. Anyway, so yeah, this book was bad for a lot of people <laughs> for a long time. Oh, it was it, this fucking book. So, which is the book states tend to be mostly women. Uh, and its attitude toward women in general is unsurprisingly just like basic misogyny. It's just like women are liars, women are vain, women are of weak intellect, and that the root of all witchcraft is women's lust. Because that, of course, sounds like a German monk couldn't get laid and he was a little bitter about it. <laughs> You say so, like women's lust is the root. Uh, is you know it's unnatural and it's sinful and it's something that should be suppressed. And if you don't suppress it, you get witches. It's basically the whole thing. So they single out midwives in particular. Oh fuck off! <laughs> yeah, they believe midwives have some sort of preternatural ability to prevent uh, con- conception or induce a miscarriage. Uh, so just in case you needed the reminder that there is a long and storied history of male authority fingers misunderstanding and outright demonizing women's reproductive health care. Yeah, it's not new. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just going to move right on past that before I get more angry. 
Uh, the Malleus Maleficarum states that witches make a literal deal with the literal devil and that they can do all sorts of fun tricks, like possess another person's body and make men's penises disappear. Man, I wish I could do that. If only. <laughs> the text introduces a lot of what should become standard signs or tests of witchcraft, such as devil's marks or witch's marks. Uh, so this is where a person suspected of witchcraft would typically be stripped naked so their bodies could be searched for, like, extra nipples believed to be used for suckling their familiars. Fun fact for the episode, <laughs> an estimated 1-5% to 5% of the population does have a third nipple, so they're not all that uncommon. But even when investigators couldn't find an actual nipple, they could just claim just about any physical imperfection was a witch's mark. So like a birthmark, a sore, a mole, anything like that, if you've got one, and everybody does. Yeah, that's proof. So it was the Devils of Ludon uh, situation, if you remember that. Uh, oh, Yes. When they were uh, stripping down that guy, um, they were looking for Devil's Mark, and for some reason they had it in their heads that a Devil's Mark was a place where if you stabbed them with a pin, it didn't hurt. Oh, yep, that was another Basically, sign. yeah, they just stabbed this man with pins. Jeez. <laughs> until they found a place that it, quote, didn't hurt, which I think one of them was, like, in the taint area, so it definitely hurt. He just maybe didn't react. He was probably just over it at that point. Yeah. And I say, after you've been poked about a hundred times, you're probably going to feel a little bit numb to it. Anyways. Uh, so sometimes when the pressure was on, people who were desperate to escape a witch hunt would sometimes burn or cut off these, like, marks from their body, only to have their scars then identified of evident- as cool, evidence cool, that cool, they cool, were cool, indeed cool. witches. Yep. Really cool. Lots of great stuff. Uh, so the Malleus Maleficarum also references that witches are unable to drown or burn, suggesting this as a basis for another classic witch test. If the person survives an attempt to drown or burn them, they're probably a witch. But if they succumbed, well, they weren't a witch, but now they're dead and it doesn't matter. I just, what is he basing this information on? It's not like he did research. He was just in his home, like, jerking off, like, hmm, yes, I'll put that in there. I mean, that- the, as best I can tell, they probably just made, I'm sure they were pulling from, like, folklore and just kind of, like, the general stereotypes of women and witches of the day, but, like, because someone at some point kind of just making at some point you're kind of just making shit up. <laughs> yeah, at some point someone had to be like, you know, you can't burn a witch and like no evidence to back it up. Yeah, more so than any of this, Malleus Maleficarum places an emphasis on confessions. So only confessed witches could be executed by the church, but you could also do just about anything you wanted in order to get that confession. Uh, so witches that did confess were believed to be abandoned by the devil, so torture in turn was considered more of an exorcism. So they like were at least trying to justify it, but still they are torturing other human beings. Yeah, it took us a long time to kind of realize that if someone says that they didn't do something and then you torture them until they say that they do something, probably means they didn't do it. Yeah, generally speaking, that's usually how that goes. Uh, If the accused did fail to confess, even under torture, the church could not execute them, but they could go ahead and turn them over to the secular authorities. And the secular authorities, most of the time, would just go ahead and execute them anyway. Yeah, I don't know why the church had the power to execute anybody, but here we are. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Accused witches could save their life if they agreed to provide evidence of other witches, which in turn gave prosecutors more cases to investigate. And this, of course is usually how most of these witch hunts ended up going completely out of control. And now we're going to get into some of those now. Cool. I think I know one that's going to come up, and it always makes me mad. (laughs) There's a couple of those. Uh, So one of the largest witch witch trials in European history began in the Diocese of Trier, which is now modern-day Germany, in 1581. 
Uh, it is speculated that a lot of the motivation for this witch hunt was political rather than theological. So the new arch- archbishop, this guy called Johann von Schonenberg, he had a real big crush on the Jesuits. And he just really wanted to impress the Jesuits. And so he ordered his diocese to be purged of three distinct groups, Protestants, Jews, and witches. The big three. <sighs> Between 1587 and 1593, 368 people across 22 villages were burned alive. Those accused included people of both sexes, ages, and classes, and it's estimated that nearly a third of the victims were nobility or held positions within the local government. Of course, the victims were disproportionately women. Uh, in 1588, two entire villages had so many women put to death that they were left with only a single female inhabitant each. Oh, God, that poor woman. Which, they may have been small villages, I'm sure, because it's 1581, but holy mother of God. Can you imagine being the only woman left in a village where they have killed all of the other women? God, how do you... I can't, don't want to think about just it. Just leave. Yeah, just no... Bye. So James VI of Scotland, who would later become James I of England, uh, is most well known for being the son of the infinitely more com- interesting Mary Queen of Scots and the successor to the equally as compelling Elizabeth I. As compelling as Mary Queen of Scots. Like, Mary Queen of Scots and Elizabeth I, both very cool historical figures. James is whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He did sponsor the King James translate. I mean, my apathy towards James's sex is going to become very clear in a couple of minutes here. Uh, so he sponsored the King James translation of the Bible, which tends to be the translation of choice for many English-speaking Protestant denominations. Uh, he was also super obsessed with witches. Oh, really? Yeah, so a lot of people trade this back. So in 1589, he was sent to marry Princess Anne of Denmark. But when her ship left Copenhagen, it was nearly wrecked in a storm. The couple was forced to meet in Norway for their wedding, but on their return trip to Scotland, their ship was again struck by a storm. Uh, And though James and Anne were eventually able to return to Scotland safely, it was very, uh, a scary time, you can say. So initially, the Danish minister of finance was blamed for under-equipping the ships for the storms, which seems reasonable. Sure. Uh, Then he turned around and accused a group of women in Copenhagen of casting spells to bring about the harsh weather. Oh, for the love of Christ. Equally as reasonable, right? It's... (laughs) So one of those suspects in turn accused five other women, all of whom would later confess under torture, of course, it's always under torture, (sighs) that they had sent the devil to climb up the keel of the ship carrying Princess Anne. Uh, And when all was said and done, 13 women were burned at the stake in 1590. Now, I don't know about back in the day, but I have not cared about anyone getting married that much. Or cared about anyone doing anything that much. <laughs> Do you know how exhausting witchcraft is? <laughs> God, you gotta get this whole pact of the devil, and then you gotta say these words. And I mean, the devil's schedule is so tight, and trying to find a time when you're both free to be <laughs> naked in the woods... And then you got to find the infant to rub on your broom so you can fly there. Like, I'm just not going to put that much effort in to keep James the sixth. It's a lot of steps. He's a non-entity. He's only king of Scotland at this point. He's not even king of England yet. Like, who cares? Fuck him. (laughs) So the alleged attack on his wife-to-be in the subsequent trial inspired James the sixth to start his own witch hunt on Scottish soil. Uh, So that same year, he set up a tribunal in the town of North Berwick, which is just outside of Edinburgh. 
So the first victim was Gilly Duncan, who was accused of using healing cures, God forbid. Oh, my God. (laughs) And confessed, again, under pain of torture, to having a contract with the devil. Do you think, like, a witch turned him down, or, like, a cool goth lady turned him (laughs) down once, and now he just has, like, a bug up his ass about it? Because that's usually how this starts. That's 100% it, yeah. Because that's, I mean, you remember Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like as the whole thing, yeah. Esmeralda, Esmeralda wouldn't fuck Frollo because look at him, and then he got <laughs> mad and like burnt a bunch of people. Always, it's always what it is. Stop making it about your penis. <laughs> no one cares about it. <laughs> also accused was a respectable elderly woman named Agnes Sampson, who repeatedly denied, even as she was being tortured. Uh, but that in the end, she too broke down and eventually confessed to plotting with the devil to kill King James. Which, if that was true at this point, I cannot blame her. If it wasn't true before, it is at that point. (laughs) By 1592, 70 suspected witches, some of who were Scottish nobles, had been put on trial, though we don't know for sure how many were actually burned at the stake. Uh, King James, though, eventually penned his own book on witchcraft called Demonology. Uh, And the trials had such a profound impact on the culture of the time, it's believed that Shakespeare used some of the official transcripts, torture included, as inspiration when he wrote Macbeth. Oh, that is my favorite Shakespearean so play. Got Macbeth out of it, I guess, but like... Not... I mean, I could live without Macbeth if it meant that probably. Like, a bunch of women didn't have to die. Also, like, he probably could have wrote Macbeth even without, like, real world inspiration, right? Like, Yeah. So, the North Berwick trials were not the last in Scotland. Between 1560 and 1707, an estimated total of three to 4,000 people were executed as Jesus. witches. God damn Christ. Not a great place to just be a, you know, independent thinker. Freewheeling person, yeah. Which is generally the people who get accused with this shit is people who are just like, just a little bit out of line. You don't even need to be like the crazy lady in the woods who keeps to herself. Like you can just like have too many opinions. Maybe you use spice in your food once and people, yeah. <laughs> so You ate butter that one time. <laughs> The American colonies, of course, had their own fair share of witch hunts. Uh, The most famous, of course, is Salem, but the earliest dates back to Connecticut. I knew there was something wrong with them. (laughs) In late March 1662, John and Bethia Kelly of Hartford accused their neighbor, Goody Ayers, of fatally possessing their eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. So according to the Kellys, Elizabeth had first taken ill after returning from the Ayers' home and that she exclaimed, Father, Father, help me, help me. Good wife Ayers is upon me. She chokes me. She kneels on my belly. She will break my bowels. She pinches me. She will make me black and blue. Which is so reminiscent of the witch that I feel like this is probably some of the early witch trials that Robert Ayers based the witch off of. Probably. Did I tell you that fun fact about butter? I think I did. Tell me again. So at some point around this time period, maybe a little bit before, the Catholics, for some reason... Uh, decided that eating butter was one of the biggest sins that you could commit. It, uh, it was yes. okay for rich people to do it, obviously, but for a while, in like the Puritan times, uh, eating butter was a big no-no, which why in The Witch, the devil is like, you want some butter, bitch? And she's like, I think yeah. I do. <laughs> a direct quote from the script. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the, the Catholics decided that butter was bad. I, I don't know why. Milk was fine, I, I think. You just couldn't... I- Churn the churning. It? The churning, the churning was probably it. <laughs> a little too sexy, all that churning. Hold on. Is butter a sin? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, here we go. Oh, yeah, and I forgot the Protestant, the, like, people got so mad about it that the Protestant religion formed. 
Yeah, that's right. Medieval Europe, fast days. There's a book called Butter, A Rich History. <laughs> oh, I love that subtitle. That's that's so great. It's very subtle. It's not. Yeah. So in medieval Europe, um, the monks didn't eat animal products on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays during Lent. And meat and dairy was believed to fuel lust. <clears throat> and eventually the church extended the fast day rules to all Christians. But the Romans weren't having it. I'll do a mini on it. That is just a whole fucking thing. Next mini. Butter. It is. Well, this, not the next mini. <laughs> the next mini is a familiar tune that you may have heard before. <laughs> so soon, just about everybody in Hartford was being accused of witchcraft. Um, a very pious woman, supposedly named Anne Cole, was taken with sudden strange fits, shaking violently and spouting blasphemies, which those around her took as the devil speaking through her. Or um, epilepsy. Or she was just faking doing a it. bit. <laughs> doing a bit. That's what I'm going to start calling framing people for witchcraft. <laughs> just doing a bit. So Cole placed the blame on other community members who had already been accused, as well as her own neighbor, Rebecca Greensmith, who is described, who was described by at least one townsperson as being lewd, ignorant, and considerably aged. All three terrible sins. Considerably aged? <laughs> considerably they, aged. She was old and that's why? Yep. Uh, as is typical, the accused began to accuse others. Goody Ayer's husband, likely in an attempt to divert attention from his wife, also accused Rebecca Greensmith of being a witch. Uh, and Greensmith, allegedly, she sounds so cool. She even admitted to having familiarity with the devil in how they like to spend Christmases together. I bet he's great at Christmas. Wouldn't he? I'm sure he gives great gifts. Well, yeah, and lighting the Yule log is a lot easier as well. <laughs> Uh, so she, too, accused others, testifying that she had met in the woods with seven other witches, including Goody Ayers. Uh, other neighbors would later claim that they had seen the women dancing in the woods and cooking mysterious concoctions in black kettles, which it's not true. But if it was true, again, sounds like a cool time. They were just having a girl's night. It was a cauldron of yeah. sangria. Like, let them live. You know how you go to the bar and you get those, like, fish bowls? <laughs> Do I ever? <laughs> remember when I drank that entire punch bowl? <laughs> I do remember. That. I was very sleepy afterwards. So at least two of the accused, uh, they believe it's likely Rebecca Greensmith and her husband Nathaniel, just based on like the documents that remain. Uh, they were bound by their hands and feet and cast into the water to test the theory that witches wouldn't drown. They did survive that matter and were convicted of witchcraft and hanged for their supposed crimes. So uh, goody. It just always blows my mind that the alternate is that you murder a person who's innocent. Yeah. And that's just fine, because it was in the service of, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> I can't say we're really all that different today. <laughs> I mean, how many people have we put in jail? Because, well, they probably did it. Yeah. So Goody Ayers, she fled Hartford. Uh, and two other women, Mary Barnes and Mary Sanford, were also put to death for witchcraft following their executions. Uh, Anne Cole was reportedly restored to health. So, Well, don't forget about those three. Totally real. Uh, those three sisters that they tried for witchcraft. Um, what were their names? Uh, uh, Winifred, I believe, and uh, Mary and um, Sarah. That that would be a good joke, but they were also in Salem. Fuck, they were. I remember this only because when I watched Hocus Pocus with my niece and nephew this year, um, I had to explain what Salem was. And it's very hard to explain to a seven-year-old that people thought they were witches, but they weren't really witches. But, like, witches are real in the sense that there are people who practice witch. Just show her the witch. Don't try it. Or the craft. <laughs> show her the craft. That'll fix it. There you go. 
She'd probably love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she is a creepy kid. <laughs> she is. I love it. She, uh, so these women would be the last executed for witchcraft in the state of Connecticut and their descendants, along with others who ans- others whose ancestors were executed for witchcraft during this period are still lobbying for posthumous pardons. Which is very great. Uh, It's all, it's very much a bureaucracy thing. Like the legislature tried to do it, but it couldn't get out of committee. And then they asked the governor, but apparently the governor can't pardon anyone who's dead. So they got to bring it to like the pardon. Why the fuck not? It's like a whole thing. It's just bullshit. I mean, just put out a nice little statement. It was a million years ago before you were even a state. Like, who gives a shit? Do you know what state the witch took place in? Or the NASA, I think it's Massachusetts. Okay. I think it just like is like a New England. I don't know if it spe- specifies. Just that part of the, the country. Yeah. I guess it would be what colony did it take place in. Yeah. Uh, so our final witch trial um, took place in Taurus. Not final like ever, but like the final one that we're going to cover today. There were a few afterwards. <laughs> Probably still today, to be honest. Uh, so the witch trial that took place in Torsaker. Torsaker, Sweden, in 1674, was part of a wave of witch hysteria that had been sweeping the country, known as Detstora of Ascendant, or the Great Noise. <laughs> so the local pastor, uh, Laurentius Christofori Horneus, he instructed two boys to stand near the entrance of their parish church and identify witches by the invisible devil's mark that would appear on their forehead as they stepped through the doors. A truly flawless plan. The invisible devil's mark i get the impression that like it's a day-to-day it's invisible well like when you step through the doors of a church it like becomes visible because of the church thing okay just like maybe for like an instant i don't know kind of like the dark mark it also is bullshit and is not well, a yes, thing clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but sure set a couple boys at the door and tell them yeah so it did immediately go wrong because to Horneus's dismay one of the boys pointed directly at his own wife Britta Rufina and in response she slapped the boy across the face <laughs> and upon realizing who he had just accused he apologized and said he had been blinded by the sun oh my god but Britta Rufina was just about the only one who would get away with this <laughs> so i just imagined for some reason, the scene in my head was Samuel L. Jackson in like the little bonnet and the black dress, just turning to this little boy and being like, say that again, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so Horneus continued to press the community's children for testimonies, a great source for your executions, uh, going so far as to whip them, dunk them in the ice cold lake, and even put them inside an oven and threaten to bake them, which, you know, sounds like things witches would do. <laughs> A little bit. So just the fact that you're, like, torturing and harming children in order to get them to accuse other people. You know, like, you're not trying to get them to confess. You're just trying to get them to accuse other people, which you don't even have to go that hard. Like, kids are people pleasers. They will make shit up if you want, if you ask them nicely. Oh, you mean, like, in the in the 80s? <laughs> yeah. When kids just made a bunch of shit up and we believed them for some reason? <laughs> Uh, So after traumatizing literally every child in the village, uh, the witch trials opened on October 15th, 1674. Uh, Around 100 people, both men and women, uh, had been accused of abducting children and taking them to a festival called Satan's Sabbath again at Blockula, which is a meadow popular in Swedish folklore for being where the devil held court. You mean it's not Fly the Impaler's annual block party? No, 
Um, but now that you've said that, I really want that to be a thing. Blockula? Yeah. Blockula. Let's have let's make that a party. Make sangria and cauldrons and dance. <laughs> so the documentation of this whole trial is very sparse. So really like the only real account of it that we have is from 1735 when Bruna Rufina, the pastor's wife, gave an account of the trial to her grandson. So like it basically it's just her. This is our best account, is just her retelling the story. Uh, but according to her, at least 71 accused witches were convicted, beheaded, and burned on a single day. Uh, 65 were women, which at the time was roughly one-fifth of all the women in the region. Oh my god. A full 20%. And this is where my notes just end, I think, probably because I got so angry and just left. Because <sighs> it's always the women. Like, yeah, there's some men in that shit, too. But it's it's just a way to... Anyone who's different? Be a dick to women. Much? Yeah. Apparently, the last witch trial took place in 1918. I mean, on its face, you could argue that the Satanic Panic was a witch trial of sorts. This is We just true. frame them differently now. Yeah, there wasn't, I saw Goody, whatever, playing piano with an old grandma down a toilet, but... <laughs> <laughs> so that is the uh, long and deeply frustrating history of witch trials. So now you'll have all of this for context in fall 2020, 2023. Finally go to Salem. <laughs> Someday. Barring another global pandemic. Yeah, that really fucked up our plans. I'm glad yeah. we got that deposit on uh, the... Most of the deposit, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> Most of the deposit from the Lizzie Borden house back. <sighs> uh, apparently the room where Abby Borden was killed is the best room to stay in. Mm, noted. Comfort-wise. Yeah. Oh, comfort-wise, not ghost-wise. No, because that would, for me, and I think by extension Sadie, uh, <laughs> would be the worst room. I shared a spooky podcast with Sadie today, and I very, I made very explicit, like, this isn't that scary. It's a little spooky, but it's definitely like a daytime Sadie podcast, like, not a nighttime Sadie podcast. So, both you and Sadie had seen The Night House before I did? I haven't seen The Night House yet. You haven't seen it. Okay. You have to. Absolutely have to. I will put it on my list. Um, Sadie had seen it before me, I guess. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm like, okay, so it's not going to be that scary. That movie <laughs> fucked me up. Did it fuck you up? So bad. <laughs> like, to the point where it's been weeks and I still think about it. I watched it Home Alone on an edible that was probably too big to be uh, watching movies Home Alone. But... <laughs> never, never a good start. But, like, it is just stuck with me. It's very atmospheric. There's no jump scares. It's got Rebecca Hall in it, right? Yes. Um, yes. Who I mistook for Rebecca Ferguson, so I was very confused <laughs> as to why Rebecca Ferguson wasn't in it. Uh, they're they just are both very much the same person. Like, I could tell you the difference. Like, one of them is in the Mission Impossible movies, and one of them was in Iron Man. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of them is uh, Swedish, and one of them is British, but they're both... That's also true. <laughs> ...brunette white women. So, let's be fair. We're kind of interchangeable sometimes. <laughs> I bet there are plenty of people who would get me and you mixed up. Which would be very weird, because we do not look alike. Um, but we are both white women. Yes. And we wear glasses, which honestly is all you need. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if people um, can tell our voices apart on the podcast, because I knew that it took a long time for me to like get the last podcast boys' voices down. Oh, yeah. I'd say any podcast where the host there are multiple hosts of the same gender typically yes very difficult for me to uh i'm emily i have a nasally voice 
I'm Sarah, and I sound like death because I have a cold. Which is not an, a recurring thing. <laughs> Generally not. Also, Sarah assured me very vehemently it was not COVID. Not COVID. I have tested. It is not COVID. Anyway, um, man, it's great to hear about all the ways we've abused women in the past. Isn't it great? I love that we get to cover this. Just like every couple of months, we pull out another one. And it's just like, oh, this is another shitty way women were treated in great. history. <laughs> Uh, don't worry. I'll do a mini on why uh, we've mistreated butter. So lovely. That should even it out. Um, if if you've experienced a witch trial at any point, if you're a witch, if you're a witch, actually, actually, no, if I'd you are a witch, that. I would love to hear from you. That sounds great. I'd love some crystal recommendations. Um, <laughs> we are on Twitter at Afternoonified and Instagram at Afternoonified. Um, getafternoonified.com if you would like to. Uh, there's merch there great merch a plus merch um including a, a very cute kind of witchy uh tarot t-shirt oh, which yeah. i still don't own myself but i will i need to get on that we're um, bad about buying our own merch. <laughs> i've been wearing this so like we'll get it i i have one afternoonified shirt and it's the old old logo but it is easily one of the most comfortable shirts that i own because it's like the like the wide cut like that's great Oh, nice. Uh, merch, old episodes. You can donate if you would like to do that. What the fuck else? Do we, we take a two-week break, and I completely forget everything. <laughs> oh, thanks for bearing with us during that two-week oh, yeah. break. We just needed to breathe. It's been a couple busy weeks, and it will continue to be busy through, I don't know, November. Yeah, then we'll just take an extended break. Oh, afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. You can uh, email us. With your crystal recommendations. With your crystal recommendations. And then remember to rate, subscribe, review, all of that fun stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week for a mini. Bye. Bye. You didn't say the thing. Oh, I love you. You can't let them know. You can't let them think that we're taking them for granted. We have to. We love you so fucking much. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a thing that I do, a podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all, don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you, shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents, mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and googas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.